Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Next Generation. I hope you all had a very Merry Christmas. Um, I hope you all had a blessed Christmas. Uh, Well, today I'm going to do something a little bit different. Um, There's not a ton of news that goes on or a lot of big things happening in the world uh, between Christmas and New Year's. Um, Other than Nikki Haley has no idea why we fought the Civil War and Trump's being taken off the ballot in Maine now. Um, So other than those kind of things, there's also this conservative uh, women's calendar that came out and everyone's fighting about if conservative women should pose for calendars, like they're not naked or anything. I don't know. That's a huge controversy apparently. Um, So other than those things going on, there's not much excitement. So I figured it would be a good time to do my addiction story that I had mentioned I was going to do a couple podcasts ago. So here we go. Um, There isn't exactly like one thing that I can point to and say, you know, this is why I'm an addict. It was constantly being hurt and betrayed, um, years of emotional and physical abuse by men that I was in relationships with, um, emotional and physical abuse to myself and numbing myself so I didn't have to feel what I was feeling. Um, God also made me with a very fiery, rebellious spirit, so I'm sure that <laughs> did not help. Um, I was always going against authority, and you know, if you know me, you know I still do. That's always going to be who I am. Um, But in rehab, they told me that I had codependency, which I had never thought about, but come to find out they were right. Um, There was a lot of things that I ignored and never really acknowledged or addressed that needed to be. Um, I just fed my addiction instead. Um, So the, the best and easiest way to go through my story is, you know, obviously chronologically. Um, but I'm going to go relationship by re- by relationship that I was in because that keeps me on track and, you know, keeps me in chronological order to, to lay out my story. Um, I changed the names of these men. Um, but if you know me, I'm sure you'll probably figure out, you know, who they are. Um, this, so many of my memories are fuzzy. <laughs> um, Some are still very, very vivid, and um, I can remember some things like it happened yesterday, but I'm going to be honest, there's a lot of dark spots, a lot of missing um, spots that I just, I can't even recall um, (laughs) where I was or what I was doing or what happened, Um, a lot of of fuzziness. Um, So much pain and embarrassment and shame in my 15 years of partying and alcohol and drugs and boys and just craziness. Um, just absolute craziness. Um, so I'll start with my childhood. I grew up in Munsville, New York. Um, it's upstate New York for people that don't know where we are. Small little farm town, very rural, filled with hunters and farmers and just good people. Um, I have a mom and dad. They're both still, they're still married. Um, great parents I have um, a sister. She's older than me, four years older than me. We would go to church, you know, most of the time. Me and my sister were in Sunday school. Um, we had a normal, very busy life. We, me and my sister, both played all three sports that were offered to us: um, soccer, softball, and volleyball. 
We also showed horses. So when we weren't doing sports, we were showing horses and obviously schoolwork and all that stuff. Um, I was pretty athletic, um, not no superstar, but I was pretty good. Um, I was really smart too. I was salutatorian of my class. And yes, everyone likes to pick on me that there was only 47 kids in my class, but still I was the second smartest and I passed, I had like a hundred on all my regents exams. So I was actually smart until I killed all my brain cells with drugs. But, um, I had, I had friends. Um, I wasn't like a a weirdo outcast or anything. I had friends. Um, I remember in elementary school, we had this close group of friends of ours. Um, it's kind of funny looking back at it now, but, um, like you'd get kicked out of the, the mean girls group and then like a week would go by and they would let you back in. And I remember going home from school and like crying to my grandmother. Cause I was so sad. Cause it was my week to get kicked out of the group. Um, just such nonsense, but you know, that kind of stuff sticks with you. Um, not very nice, but, um, as a teenager, I had, um, there was a boy that I liked and he told my best friend that he would date me if I had lost weight. I was too fat for him. Um, the kids called me jumbo jet Jenna. Um, they were not very nice. Um, and like I was, I was in the popular group, but like I still got picked on. I don't know, whatever. But um, they also used to call me coochie cutter and like walk by me and make like scissor noises and go like say snip snip at me because I told one of my girlfriends that I shaved um, down in the nether regions. I don't know. I was young. I was just freaking experimenting. Told one of my girlfriends in confidence and she freaking tells everyone. So that was another one of my nicknames. But anyways, um, he told me I was too fat to to date him or whatever. So I became anorexic. Um, I got very, very thin, uh, very thin, and had to go to um, the psychiatrist down in Cooperstown where they put me on all these drugs to make me eat and these SSRIs, which I'm sure have something to do with why I went down this road because SSRIs are terrible, but that's a whole nother podcast. Um, so I had, along with anorexia, I was depressed um, so I don't know if that's what made me go party, but I just, I just liked to hang out with my friends and party and drink. So I snuck out and partied a lot. I just enjoyed the feeling of being drunk and smoking weed, hanging out with my friends, flirting with boys, you know, I was hanging out with older people. So I was super cool. Um, it was just fun. I liked being a rebel. I liked the excitement. Um, but then th- that got out of control later in life and it stopped being fun. Um, I have not told my story out loud to anyone since rehab. Um, they make you stand up in rehab and like tell everyone your story. Um, I haven't done it since then. And I've been clean and sober for 11 years and nine months today. Um, so this, uh, it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while since I've told my story. So here we go. The, the first relationship. Um, so obviously changing names. We'll call him Karen. Um, I was 13 at this time. This was my best friend's brother. Um, I lost my virginity at 13 in a camper at their camp. Um, we had all been drinking. And I remember me and my friend, we went and slept in one camper and the boys were sleeping in another camper. And then like all the adults were sleeping in like the cabin. And I was really, really drunk. Um, 
I remember him coming in the camper, but not really know like what was going on. And then before I knew it, he was on top of me and I was kind of in and out of it. I don't really remember a lot. I remember waking up the next morning and not being 100% sure if that actually happened until I got up and certain lady parts hurt and, you know, there was blood. Um, And I'm like, I, holy crap, can't believe that happened. Um, And then the next day we were going to her aunt's house and we were going swimming. And I remember being terrified to go swimming because I was, I was bleeding. Um, Like I, I was like terror stricken that I was going to bleed all over the place and someone would, you know, someone would find out because I didn't want anyone to find out. Um, I never spoke to anyone about this until years and years and years later. Um, Most people don't even know that this happened. Um, He ignored me after that. Like he just didn't talk to me. And actually him and his um, cousins would pick on me. But um, he ended up dying in a car accident. I think it was a year later, a couple years later. I don't really remember. He died in a really bad accident with his best friend. Um, they were drinking and driving, got in a, got in a car accident and they both died. And I never really like processed that whole thing. I just kind of tucked it away. Never talked about it. Never really processed either the, like what had actually happened. Um, and then that he passed away and I never got to like talk to him or confront him about it. Um, anyway, so that was number one. Um, this one's not a relationship, but you know, at this point we're going to all the woods parties, me and my friends, we're going to all the woods parties. There was parties on what we call the corner, um, different people's houses. We'd go to Morrisville college and just drive around and meet up with our friends and go party over there. But we're out in this woods party in Munsville. And actually one of my friends, he was a, a type one diabetic and he had like, um, he needed, he need. he was like passing out, needed insulin. So like it kind of broke the party up a little bit. Um, and this guy, we'll call him uh, Bori, <laughs> told me he'd give me a ride home um, from the party. And as we're leaving, he's, so he's six years older than me. Um, I'm like 14 at this time. Um, pulled over and like started kissing me and got on top of me or whatever. I didn't stop him. Um, you know, he was older than me and I didn't want him to think I wasn't cool. Um, so I just let him and then he literally dropped me off like a quarter mile down the road from my house and made me walk. <laughs> like, um, not good, not good stuff. Um, I was wild. I was a wild child. Um, never talked to him about it, never confronted him about it. Um, just pretended like that didn't happen either. Um, so like relationship number two. Um, we'll call him Maury. At this time, I'm like 16. We went to school. Well, he we went to school together. He went to a different school for a little bit and then came to our school. He, I was like obsessed with him. Uh, he played in a band. He was like the coolest guy to me. Like, I can't believe he actually said he would go out with me. Because him and his band played at all these, um, had these gigs and stuff, we were going to the bars all the time. Obviously, I'm clearly underage, but I'm like getting drunk and going to the bars every weekend, like Friday, Saturdays, when they had these gigs and stuff. Um, 
we actually never even had sex until we had broken up and it was years later. And like, I think we were at a party together and ended up just hooking up. Like we never even uh, did the whole sexy time thing, but he dumped me right before my junior prom, like right before my junior prom. So I couldn't, didn't even have time to find another date. Um, He dumped me for this older woman who had kids, which like that kind of stung. And then she would follow him around to all the to um to all his gigs and stuff too. And I'm like, get out of here, old woman. Um, she actually her and her friend tried to run me and my best friend off the road one day. We were coming back from Morseville and she like got behind me and tried to run me and my friend off the road because she was a psychopath. Um but she and she showed up at my prom. Like I still went to the prom with Maury because I didn't have a freaking date. Um so like how embarrassing is that? Like he breaks up with me and I still go to the friggin' prom with him. Like what was I thinking? I should have just went by myself. But um she showed up at my prom. Like go oh anyways. I apparently I haven't addressed that. I'm still very bitter. Um but I like was obsessed with him. He broke my heart. Um I still stalked him for for a while. Like I would follow him around to all the gigs and stuff too after he broke up with me. It was really pathetic. But um, that was pretty much that. But, you know, next relationship. Uh, We'll call him Rhett. Uh, This time I'm 16 or 17, 18-ish. He was a star basketball player at a high school around us. Um, I was obsessed with him too. this was this guy for the longest time. Like I always ended up going back to him. Like a few months would go by and then we would like hang out again. And then like, a year would go by and then we would hang out again. Um, I definitely stalked him a lot too. We did have lots of sexy time. Um, I cheated on multiple guys with Rhett. Um, not very nice of me, but I just, I was like in love with him. Um, Although I slept with two of his friends and one night um, I was hooking up with one of his friends and he called me. And so I hooked up with him too on the same night. So that was not one of my shining moments, but I did it. (laughs) Um, There was one night, like if he called, I'd come running. There was one night he went to college out like up past Syracuse and he had called me and me and my friend were we were drinking. I remember we were already drunk and we had this like giant 24 pack of glass bottles. I have no idea where we even got them, but um, he calls and it's like in the middle of the night. It says he has cocaine and wants to have sex. And me and Christy, me and my friend are like, all right, we're we're in. And he had a friend over. So it is drunk in the middle of a freaking snowstorm in the middle of the night, me and her drive all the way up past Syracuse. Like I got in an accident. We almost died. I drove onto this person's front lawn. Um, it was terrible. The glass beer bottles broke and went everywhere. So instead of like driving home or calling my parents or whatever, we're drunk driving to his apartment and we go to his apartment and do cocaine and have sex and then drive home. Like a nightmare, just a nightmare. I don't know what we were thinking. Not good. Um, but he appeared in my life a lot after that. Um, so moving, moving on, uh, the next one we'll call Dud, like D-U-D, he's a dud, and that also rhymes with his name. Um, I was about 18 at this time. This is when things started getting 
really bad. Like, I know it's just going to keep getting worse from here. But this is when things started getting going on a very, very bad path. Um, I met him through mutual friends of ours. He was a really bad kid. He was a really bad influence on me. Um, we did a lot of drugs. He introduced me to Oxycontin, um, acid, cocaine. I remember the first time he had showed me what Oxy was. Like, I didn't really know what it was. Um, and he's like breaking up a little line and he's like, only do a tiny, tiny bit. And I'm used to doing cocaine. And I'm like, no, like I want a big one. He's like, no, 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 just a little bit. So I take more than I should because that's just how I am. Um, and like 30 seconds later, I'm like puking over the porch because it hit me that hard. Um, just bad, bad stuff. Um, I found out that he cheated on me on Christmas day and like, cause I couldn't find him. And I called his cousin. His cousin told me that he was in this girl's house down by the beach. So I drive down there. It's freaking Christmas day. I'm like knocking on this bitch's house and she doesn't come out, but I found out it was her. He had already left. Um, he used to sleep in my parents' basement, which I don't know why my parents would ever let him do that. Looking back, like that was a bad idea, but they felt bad for him. He was a messed up kid and they thought they could fix him. Um, we didn't fix him. <laughs> um, and also he would wet the bed all the time, which was really gross. And I'm also not sure why I tolerated that either. Cause that's disgusting. Um, but he used to hit me and push me a lot. Um, he hit me a lot and I don't know why I tolerated that either. But one day I did, um, hit him back and I broke my hand. Um, and I had to lie to my parents. I don't even remember what lie I told them, but I had hit him and I was going for his face and he had turned his, um, turned his back towards me and I punched him right in the shoulder. And at that point I didn't know how to actually throw a punch either. Um, so broke my hand. Um, he treated me like crap. Uh, disaster, disaster relationship. Um, this one's not really worth mentioning too much. Um, we call him Scotty too hottie. He was, um, a cook at Carmela's where I waitress while I was going to x-ray school. Um, there's not a ton to say about him other than he was the cook. I was a waitress. He was actually a nice guy. Um, but he had no license because he got a DWI, but he had lied to me about, um, having a job. Like we both left Carmela's around the same time. He told me he'd gotten a new job when I started working in x-ray and I found out he lied about it. So I called my poor brother-in-law to drive, um, to ride with me up to his apartment so I could get all my stuff out of there. And we had bought two, uh, finches, these two birds. And I'm not really sure why I took the birds, but I had the door, like the top off my Jeep. And I had these two finches in the back of my Jeep and I'm driving from Whitesboro back to Munsville with these poor little finches. Anyways, um, not to get off on a tangent, but that was just pretty funny. Um, so just another, another man that lied to me. Um, next, uh, we have Randy. Um, I'm 20, 21 at this point. Um, Randy was actually, a really good guy. Um, he was a pharmacist. My mom introduced us. He bought me nice things. He actually bought me a dog named Lucky. That was my little Jack Russell. Um, he treated me well. We were just two very different people. Um, like he liked to play video games. I liked to do like sports and go to the gym. Um, 
but he treated me really good. His roommates sucked. Um, and his mom was really mean and like, I would clean the house. And then like 30 minutes later, she'd come over and be like, I'm going to clean the house. She just kind of did that stuff all the time. She was very controlling. Um, but I'm still like drinking and I'm doing oxy. Um, there was actually one night I remember laying in bed and I think, uh, Randy was playing EverQuest in his office and I had done so much oxy. I'm laying there and I'm like feeling my pulse and I'm like, this is really slow. I'm like, mm. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to wake up tomorrow. And I just kind of like drifted off. Obviously I woke up. Uh, um, there was a lot of nights like that where I'm like, mm, this is the one, this is the one tonight. Um, we did have a big party. I don't know if it was for like new year's or whatever. We had a big party at his house. And one of the guys there, uh, bet me that I couldn't funnel two beers at once. And of course I'm never going to turn down a challenge like that. And I knew I could do it. Um, so I did. And then I passed out in bed upstairs in our bed. And I woke up the next morning and I literally pissed everywhere. I peed the bed. Like I literally peed the bed. I was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassed. Um, but luckily everyone else was pretty drunk too. But I mean, my gosh, so embarrassing. Um, but I just kind of with him decided I was, wasn't going to work. This was over. Um, so I did the, the asshole Jenna move where I move my stuff out little by little and don't tell him or talk to him. And then one day while he's at work, I pack up the rest of my stuff, steal my dog and move back to my parents' house without him knowing at all that it was even coming. Um, of course he tried, he showed up at my parents' house and tried, he sent me flowers like once a week for like six months, these huge, beautiful bouquets of flowers. Um, I was just an asshole. And Obviously, that didn't work out. Um, so between that relationship and the next one, you know, partying, doing all my stuff, I met two different drug dealers. Uh, one was down at the beach and one was kind of locally here that I would get all my drugs and stuff from. And then um, I was hanging out down at the, the bars at the beach a lot and at the Marble Hill and just causing trouble. Um, the next guy I dated, we'll call him Mason. Um I'm 22-ish years old. Also, this is a great... He's a great guy. Um, I moved in with him pretty fast. Uh, he lived quite a ways away from here, too. And I I moved in really fast with my dog. Um, my mom also introduced us. Uh, I was hiding my coke habit from him. And I lied to him a lot. Um, I had, I had um, partied out in Syracuse one night. And it was with a bunch of my friends and I was, I was driving a forerunner, a Toyota forerunner at the time, left my girlfriend's driveway in the middle of the night to drive back to the beach. And I sideswiped her mailbox on the way out. Um, so huge scratched on the side of my forerunner, get home, tell my parents that I was parking, parked in a parking garage and someone must've hit me. Um, but that same night, I'm like driving to the beach and I remember going up over the bridge. I think it's only 30 through there. I was not going 30 because it took me like two hours to find my way out of Syracuse into the beach. And my friends were waiting for me. Like I remember driving around Syracuse and I'm like, that was before GPS, everyone. It was before GPS <laughs> trying to get myself to the beach. I was just lost and I was so fucked up and I just kept driving. Um, anyways, fly over the, the bridge into the beach, get pulled over by a state trooper. Um, I am so drunk that he opens up my driver driver door and I literally went to get out and I just fell 
right on to the pavement in the road. This cop happened to be my current Echo student's boyfriend. So he knew who I was. Um, He also knew who I was going to see. And luckily, they drove my um, forerunner to my friend's house, took me to my friend's house to sleep it off and didn't charge me with anything. Crazy. Just crazy. Um, So at this point, I have a... After that was that was all in one night, um, so I have to get my Forerunner fixed because there's this giant scratch down the side of it. So I went from driving a four, uh, Toyota Forerunner, and they gave me a Ford Focus for a rental, right? So I'm dating Mason. I'm at the bar, um, doing a lot of cocaine, drinking beers. Thought I was fine to drive because obviously, I'm doing a lot of cocaine. I'm fine to drive. Um, driving back to my parents' house and. I'm like trying to light my cigarette, text, and drive all at the same time. Don't recommend. And I smash right into a freaking stop sign. Like my windshield crashes all around me. It's shattered. And I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, this is bad. So I call my parents and tell them like a deer ran out in front of me. You know, I had to swerve blah, blah, blah. My dad's like, are you drinking? I'm like, no, I'm fine. He's like, all right, well, you need to call the cops because you're in a rental and we need we need a police report. So I call the cops on myself and they show up to the scene and my parents have now gotten there and my parents have realized how messed up I am and are just like, <laughs> you can see the panic in their eyes. Um, he makes me do the uh, roadside sobriety test. I think I did a great job. I had memorized my ABCs backwards and didn't even ask me that question. Um, I memorized it just in case I ever got pulled over. Um, he didn't even ask me the question. Um, thought I did good. And he was like, can I see your hands? Can you put your hands out in front of you? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then it's like, click, click. Cuffs went on. Get arrested. Luckily, well, the the one good thing about that is their like mugshot machine wasn't working, so there was never a mugshot. But I go down to the police station, I get fingerprinted. The whole thing is a freaking disaster. So, because of my, they dropped it down to a DUAI, which cost me lots and lots of money. Um, I have to take these drunk driving classes, and I'm still dating Mason at this time. Like he. It doesn't really know all of this that's going on, but I am. So I have to be enrolled in these drunk driving classes. I show up to the drunk driving class and my drug dealer is also in the drunk driving class with me. So it, it, the um, drunk driving class was once a week. If I remember, I think it was like Wednesdays or Thursdays or something. Um, I would buy cocaine off of him and I'd be doing coke in the bathroom of my drunk driver meeting. And then I would get out of the drunk driver meeting, drive, like my boyfriend lived like an hour from there. I would drive an hour, but I would stop at the store quick and pick up a bottle of NyQuil and a 40. And I would drink the bottle of NyQuil and the 40 to his house so I could sleep. So he didn't know, he wouldn't know I was doing cocaine all evening. Like, this, don't recommend that. It's not good for your body. Holy moly. Um, but so this wasn't working out. Um, Again, I did the asshole Jenna thing. One night he uh, drove to the store to get a pack of cigarettes. I literally packed up all my stuff and my dog and drove back to my parents and didn't speak to him for a while after that. And he he did throw all my stuff that I left there on the front lawn, which wasn't very nice. Um, But that was that. 
Um, oh boy, this next one's rough. So the next relationship I'm in, I'm 22, 23 years old, and we're going to call him Dick. Um, he was a dick. Also rhymes with his name. Um, I met him at the crazy clam one night. Um, also he's a police officer, a shitty one at that, but he was a police officer. Um, my sister called it right from the start. She's like, do not go home with him. She said he looked like a chipmunk on steroids. And she uh, was 100% correct on both. But um, we were together for two years. We had gotten engaged. Um, he was emotionally and physically abusive. I was never good enough for him. He called me fat. He called me a lush. Um, he told me what I couldn't wear. He would make fun of me, especially in front of people. Um, he would... Anytime we would get in a fight, he would like throw me onto the floor and hold me down. Um, one night I went, it, he was leaving for work and I went to go give him a hug. And like my, one of my rings like caught the side of his face. It like didn't really do anything but nicked him a little bit. And he hit me on the side of my head so hard that I couldn't hear out of that ear for a couple days. Um, he, he was a very angry person. He had a terrible temper. Um, he was doing steroids, but he was just an asshole anyways. Um, our fights were terrible. They always turned violent. Um, he would throw shit at me. Um, I was always fearful that I was going to make him mad and we were going to get in another fight. Um, so I'm drinking through this whole time. We're still partying a lot, not really doing a ton of drugs because he wasn't into the whole drug thing, um, but definitely drinking. He was also sexually abusive. He could never um, get off. Um, took him forever. Uh, I don't know if that was from the steroids or what. I don't know. I don't know. But um, he would force me to have sex with him when I didn't want to and force me to do it for hours. Um, it was painful. Um, he would also force me to do um, oral sex and he would grab my head so hard and choke me um, to where I wasn't breathing or I would puke. Um, I finally got the courage to leave him. And I kicked him out because we had bought a house together. Um, luckily, he had crappy credit. I mean, he would just he was a terrible person, but um, had, he had bad credit. Thank you, Jesus. And I took the, I bought the house myself. Um, so I was able to just kick him out. Well, when I kicked him out, he stole my washer and dryer, like just an asshole right to the end. Um, and then after we, after I broke up with them, I did find out that he also cheated on me. Um, so that was a really rough, uh, that was a really rough two years. Um, and from here, things just continued to get worse. So, my next relationship, uh, call him Stan, Staniel. Um, this was my hardest relationship, uh, hard in so many ways too. I was 25, 26 years old. Um, I had met him at a, at a bar out in New Hartford. Um, he was also a police officer. We got engaged. We were together for two years. We broke up and got back together so many times. Um, and this is also when I decided that it was a good idea to live a double life. Um, <laughs> he also cheated on me. I don't know if I already said that, but um, he was 10 years older than me and he had two kids. Um, so during our relationship, I had met, uh, we'll call him Sneezer. He was 
uh, my drug ended up being my drug dealer. I was at the Hill one night partying and there had been a bachelorette party or something. And someone had left a big fake like wedding ring, um, almost like a ring pop on the table. And I was like, picked it up and I was messing with it. And so I wore it. And I remember going up to the bar to get a drink and Sneezer had said something about the ring. And we just kind of chit chatted, um, nothing crazy. And then he had um, asked me if I wanted to go out to his car and do some oxy. And at that point, I had really toned it down on the drugs for the most part. Um, um, and I couldn't get oxy. But um, I had said no. I was dating, staying. Um, didn't want to get involved with that stuff. I was content drinking. Um, but then a few days go by and I'm thinking about it. And I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, you know, I would really like some oxy. I haven't done it in a while. So I text him. We meet up. I get drugs from him. And then we continue to text. I continue to go get drugs. And then that's when I start snorting heroin. And it just gets gets so much worse from here. Um, so he started giving me lots of free drugs. Um, he never made me pay for anything. Um, we would go to... Um, he would ask me to go to Bleecker Street to pick up drugs for him, um, with him, so we could use a different vehicle. Because um, let me tell you, some of these drug dealers are really dumb. They would meet in the same spot on Bleecker Street every single time. So finally, I'm like, you guys need to like move this around a little bit. There's cops everywhere out here, and you guys meet at the same spot every single time. Like you got to mix this up. Um, the people he was getting drugs from spoke no English, no English. Um, so I started running drugs on Bleecker Street for Sneezer um, a lot, a lot, like stuff that would put me behind bars for a while. Um, luckily, I got out of that unscathed. Um, but I was, at this point, I'm always high on something. Um, cocaine, heroin, oxys, you name it. Um, Sneezer also bought me a lot of gifts that got to start being really difficult to hide from Stan. Um, he bought me like a ton of North Face jackets and um, other other clothes he would buy me and flowers. He bought me flowers all the time. And Stan would always be like, where'd you get those flowers? And I'm like, oh, I bought them myself. I just wanted to like spice the house up a little bit. It's pretty. Um, yeah, he fell for it for the most part, but all the time. And there, I remember one night I was at, we were at my house because Stan lived in Whitesboro, and he had his boys out there um, like half the time. And I lived in my house in Munsville. So we were like living back and forth between our two places at, at this time. And we were at my house and I was really jonesing for some heroin. So I text Sneezer. And while me and Stan are like watching a movie sitting on the couch, like I'm, I see him out dropping it in my mailbox for me. Like just what a wow. Wow, Jenna. Um, so Sneezer gets busted um, and my name is in his phone. So the cops call me, um, ask me to come in for questioning. So I go in for questioning. I'm like shitting myself. Right. Um, only basically the only thing I had going for myself is that I never bought anything from him. Like it was always just given to me as gifts, but the cop that was interviewing me was Stan's best friend. And I didn't know it at the time. Like, not best, best friend. I think they were in the academy together. But they were really good friends. So I leave the police department. This 
cop that questioned me calls my boyfriend and tells him that basically I've been living a second life with Sneezer behind his back. So I'm sure you can tell how that all went down. Um, we broke up, uh, broke up for a little while, um, got back together, got back together. I don't know how, um, broke up again, got back together. We were at, uh, St. Patrick's day parade out in Utica. And if you've ever been to that, you know, that gets pretty wild. We were dancing around each other the entire time we were out there. We were broken up, hadn't been talking, saw each other, both get drunk, end up calling each other. Did he call me? I I don't remember, but I was already back in Rome at my friend's bar that she worked at getting food. He drove all the way out, picked me up, drove me back to his house, and we ordered pizza and had sex all night. Um, Dumb stuff. Dumb stuff. Um, I I was obviously obsessed with him. Um, Anyone who knows me during that relationship is that relationship just broke me. That just broke me. it it did fizzle out because it was just toxic. Um, it was so bad. But um, after we broke up, I was really, really depressed and started doing more drugs and alcohol. More drugs, more alcohol, more drugs, more alcohol. Um, things just continued to get worse. Um, lots of bad things were happening while I was single. I was sleeping with random guys all the time. Um, met a new drug dealer. There was um, at this drug dealer's house, his apartment. Um, he always had porn on the TV and it was really weird and it kind of freaked me out, but he was an older guy would give me drugs. Um, one night his girlfriend, we'd come home from somewhere. I don't remember where, but we walked into the apartment and his girlfriend was sitting on the couch and she had hidden a knife in the uh, seat cushions of the couch and she lunged at me with this knife. And luckily she was kind of big and chunky and I was not. So I like scoot out of the way and she like falls to the floor and we all kind of realize what just happened. And anyways, the, the guys took the knife away from her and kicked her out and mess. But that same apartment one night I had to hide in the closet because this guy's drug dealers showed up with a car full of people and guns. And I was told to go hide in the closet. And I don't know what happened. Nothing like everyone was alive. Um, but that was quite terrifying. Um Things were just out of control. Um, I'm out of control. One night, him and a couple of the other guys forced me to go um, put on lingerie for them. And I told you I was this was going to be rated R, but I'm not going to go into that whole thing. But I'm sure you can use your imagination. Um, I hated myself. I hated, I hated myself. I would literally do anything for drugs at this point. Um, and we, weirdly, oddly enough, throughout this entire time, I'm still going to work most of the time. Um, I'm working out and going to the gym. Like when I was dating um, Stan, I literally ran a friggin' marathon and I was smoking like a half a pack of cigarettes a day. Like I'm still work. How did I work out? You know, and just that's a testament to how friggin' amazing our bodies are because I'm putting my body through hell and I'm still working out and running marathons and. I hadn't died yet. <laughs> Shockingly, I hadn't died yet. Um, so don't know how I did it. But then I meet this guy, meet another guy. Um, we'll call him Lion. And he's a doctor. Uh, I met him doing CrossFit. I'm like 26. Um, 
being with him made me feel like I wanted to be a better person. Like I wanted to get my life back on track. You know, I'm like, I, I can do this. I can stop this stuff. We're still drinking, but I'm drinking like tequila and lime because it's low in carb. Um, kind of cut it out on the drugs for a while. Um, he moved in with me pretty quick, him and his dog. Um, but then he failed to mention that he was still um, dating his girlfriend at the time. So he was dating both of us at the same time. Um, so anyways, he decides to break up with me and go back to his girlfriend full time. And that's when I, uh, tried to kill myself. Um, I had a shotgun in my house. I woke up one morning and I was just like, fuck this. Like, I'm just done. I'm just like, I'm, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Um, I hadn't shot a gun in a really long time. So I remember taking like a taking a warning shot and like shooting out back. And I was like, oh shit. I'm like, that's if I miss, that's gonna hurt. Like it's gonna hurt. Um and I think I had I text my friend Patrice. Um I text my friend Patrice and I didn't tell her what I was gonna do or what I was planning to do, but I think she knew something was up. And she sent um I don't did I tell her what I was I don't remember. Um everything's pretty fuzzy pretty fuzzy. Um, but I remember my parents and my sister and the cops showing up at my house. So they take me to the psych unit at St. Luke's hospital, which was where I was employed, which is extremely embarrassing, but it was like the only psych unit around. So I go into the psych unit and they keep me in there for three days. And all they do is like hop you up on Ativan and then release you back into the world with a follow-up appointment at out- outpatient rehab. So I go to an outpatient rehab appointment. My mother drives me. I go into outpatient and they make me do a breathalyzer. And they're like, oh, well, sorry, we can't see you today because you have drank alcohol. And I'm like staring at them and I'm like, obviously I have drank alcohol. I am an alcoholic. That's why I'm here. Like (laughs) my mind is being blown right now. Like, duh, that's why I'm here. I need help. So they turn me away. Can't see them. My mom is like beside herself. Um, just, just crazy. But, um, so anyways, he, I felt like he had abandoned me. And after I'd gotten out of rehab and I met my husband and we were engaged, um, Lion calls me and tells me how sorry he is and that he never should have abandoned me. And, that he still really likes me and wishes that I wouldn't be with my fiance and give him a shot. Um, Obviously, I didn't do that. (laughs) No. Um, But I just thought that was kind kind of interesting and shitty all at the same time. So at this point, I'm hanging out with my brother-in-law's little brother. He's living at my house. He's just as big of a mess as I am. Things are not going good. Um, I start dating another man. We'll call him uh, Madam. Um, I'm 26-ish. I'm just a complete disaster. In this entire relationship that didn't even last very long is a complete disaster. Um, I knew him through Dick. This was Dick's cousin. Um, so I'd known him for a while and he was always really nice to me. Come to find out, I guess he'd always had a crush on me and I was with Dick, so I never really paid attention. Um, but we started hanging out and talking and 
at this point, I'm drunk like 24-7. I'm having to drink in the middle of the night, drink when I wake up in the morning. It's Things are really, really bad. Um, so we started dating. He joined the Marines, and then he gets deployed. And things are good. We call each other boyfriend, girlfriend. Um, he comes home on leave, and he surprised me, um, which was awesome. But then he also surprised me that he had multiple girlfriends all at the same time. Surprise. Um <laughs> His family absolutely hated me. His mother hated me. Uh, I went to one of his family's Christmas parties at his dad's house, and I was so drunk. I was like really tipsy, and I don't know if I tripped or if I if I just fell over. I don't know, but I literally fell over into his grandmother and knocked his poor grandmother onto the floor. Like just embarrassing, just embarrassing. Um, we had a huge fight and we broke up. So I slept with his best friend. Um, Sorry, madam. Um, and then a lot, a lot of the rest of this is very, very blurry until I go to rehab. Um, you know, 10, 10, 11 toxic relationships. Each one of these took a piece of me. Um, physical abuse, emotional abuse. They broke me and beat me down. Seven out of the 10 cheated on me. I cheated on them. I've been with over 50 men. And that disgusts me. Uh, two physically abused me. Eight emotionally abused me. Two were really good guys, and they didn't deserve my bullshit. Um, I lived a double life while being engaged to a police officer. <laughs> I was broken. These relationships just destroyed me. Um, of course, it's my fault, too, because at this point, I've just given up. I gave into the drugs and alcohol. Um, so at this point, my poor parents who have never given up on me, they're like, it is time for you to go to inpatient rehab. <laughs> Clearly. So I get told, I get accepted into out, um, inpatient rehab. Uh, I went to Tully Hill and I'm told I'm going for two weeks. So I need to pack for two weeks. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, I can do two weeks. I'm going to go in for two weeks. I'm going to get cleaned up, get sober. And then when I get out, I'll be able to just like drink normally again, like just socially, right? Well, <laughs> that morning I get drunk because um, I'm going to rehab. I got to get drunk first. Um, I'm not going to drink for a while. So I get drunk, I get high. My parents drive me and I get checked in. I have to go to the detox unit first, um, obviously, because I'm drunk and high and they're worried that I'm going to die. Um, it's very dangerous to come off of alcohol. Uh, and other drugs, but alcohol is very dangerous. So I have to go to detox where I'm monitored 24-7 by nurses. And apparently my liver function was really, really bad. Um, I only told them that I had a drinking problem. I didn't mention the whole drug thing because I didn't think I had a problem with the drug part. I thought it was only the drinking part. Um, but obviously they found out about uh, my the drug problem too. So in rehab, you can't have any sugar, no caffeine, no TV, magazines, no phone, no nothing. Um, boys and girls are separated on um, separate sides of the facility, like your rooms and everything. Um, you do group meetings, you do small group meetings, you do one-on-one -on -one meetings. And um, they put me in this professionals group. It's for people that work in like a so-called professional world. Like I was in there with a DA from Syracuse, police officers, corrections officers. Um, there was a little old man who was super cute. He was like 80. He was in there. 
Um, so I was in that professionals group. Um, I learned that I was codependent. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Seeing I was always so obsessed with the guys I was dating, um, which I still am. You can ask my husband, but um, I'm just not like crazy about it now. Like I used to be the kind of girl that would go slash your tires. Um, I'm not like that anymore. Um, unless you push me, just joking. I've calmed down a lot. Um, but I find out that you know I have all these problems, um, and that I'm effed up enough. And now I have to stay a month. Plus I had really good insurance. So, so I'm getting told that I'm staying a month. You know, I freaked out, but honestly, it was the best thing for me. The being in there for 30 days saved my life. Um, they tell you not to like date anyone in rehab or like make googly eyes at anyone in rehab. Of course I do. I meet a guy in there. We're like passing notes like we're back in middle school. Um, got in trouble. They found out. <laughs> um, uh, we talked a little bit when we got out, but he just, I wasn't really even attracted to him. I was just in rehab and there was nothing else to do. Um, so I kind of told him to hit the road when we got out. Um, they also tell you not to like for real date once you get out of rehab, like you should stay single for a while and work on yourself. Um, I meet my husband. It was like a month and a half out of rehab. I met him on Plenty of Fish. I went on there to meet like other sober people. I meet my husband who is not sober. Um, and I found out that he had copy and pasted his entire profile from someone else's. <laughs> um, but I just fell madly in love with each other. Um, we got engaged four months after we met. And then now we've been married 10 years. Um, so they aren't always right. They aren't always right. Um, most of the time they're right though. So throughout all of this mess, you know, I've always been a believer. I believed in God. Um, I never remember like cursing God or asking him why all this bad stuff was happening to me. I'm sure I prayed to him in really bad moments, uh, like when I was hiding in the closet or my heart rate was like in the thirties and I thought I wasn't going to wake up. Um, but I don't remember like praying or anything like that. Uh, my grandma was the one that loved Jesus and our family. She went to church all the time. I remember in really bad times, especially like in the mornings. Well, it was like afternoon. I'd wake up from doing all the drugs and alcohol all night long. And I'd wake up and I'd feel like death. Um, I would go to her house and lay on, on her old green scratchy couch. Um, it was just being at her house was just so comforting. Um, she'd play gospel songs on her organ and she would sing. Um, it was either that, or I would like sit on the bottom of the shower and let the scalding hot water hit my back. And I would just sit there for hours and cry. Um, but after I got out of rehab, I started going, um, to church again with her until she passed away. And then when she passed away, I didn't feel like going anymore. Um, it was about four years ago. I was at work and I just had this thought, I'm like, I should find a church. I'm like, I really kind of want to go to church again. Um, I don't, at the, that time, I didn't know where that um, little spark came from. And now I obviously know that that was the Holy Spirit um, trying to get me back to church. So I asked around, I found a church. Um, they were pretty good. Um, but then COVID hit and they shut down and I was like, I'm, okay, I don't want to do all this COVID stuff. Like, I just want to go to church. Um, so I found a different church that was still doing services and no mask mandates. Um, 
so that's my church now. And I love my church family. Um, they're the best. If you ever want to go with me, let me know. Um, I've been baptized. And then I was just recently, a couple months ago, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, even my parents have started going to church and my husband's going with me now too. He's still not a believer, but he goes for me. Um, and that's that's all I can ask for right now with him is that he's willing to go for me. So um, I know through all of this, my messy life, very messy life. Um, God was with me. He saved me. All the drugs and the drinking and the strange men and the car accidents and the being arrested and overdosing. And so many times I was driving drunk and high and trying to kill myself. Um, so many bad, scary times, um, terrible situations that I got myself in. He was with me. And because of him, I can share my story with all of you today. So I hope you enjoyed my story. I don't know if enjoy is the right word. Um, that's my story. That is that is my crazy, crazy story. Um, and if anyone wants to ghostwrite that as a book for me, I am open to it. Um, but if you have anyone that's struggling with addiction, drinking, drugs, addiction, um, feel free to point them to my podcast or have them reach out to me. I'd love to talk to anyone who's struggling with addiction and alcoholism. Um, it's affecting a lot of, lot of people these days. Um, so you know where to find me, but that was my episode for this week. Um, I hope you all have a very, very happy new year and thank you for listening on the next generation.